Welcome to Bell Curve with Mary Scott, Rachel, and Liz, three friends, three Southern Bells, joining you, smart women, to discuss life, work, relationships, business, everything from the nerdy to the normal, the practical to the philosophical, the head to the heart. Thanks for joining us as we observe, analyze, and often deviate from the standard. Hello, hello, everyone. Rachel here, joined by Liz and Mary Scott. And y'all, it's the last Tuesday of the month, so that means this is an Ask Us Anything episode. And the way that Ask Us Anything episodes go is one of us will generally answer the question and do most of the talking. So today you'll hear mostly from me, though we may have to do a longer episode on this because I know all three of us have a lot to say about this question we got. I got a question from a very lovely, very kind woman who has known me for six or seven years and sort of kept up with some of the things I've been involved with. And she said, Rachel, I've I've seen some of the comments you get on your articles and on social media and stuff. And I think having people publicly say mean things about me would absolutely crush me. And even starting a podcast like y'all have done seems fun, but scary. How do you put yourself out there like that? And I I really loved the question because it gives us a chance to build on the interview we just did with meteorologist Ashley Gann. She gave personal examples of how she deals with critics and trolls, and it's a great episode, so please listen to that. But overcoming fear and taking risks is a topic I absolutely love and have given a lot of thought to. So I'm excited to share what works for me, and I'm really excited to hear what you two think, Mary Scott and Liz, because y'all have put yourselves out there and received criticism in public ways as well. And what we'll share may be specific to our work and lives, but I really think and hope it'll, it will apply to anyone who feels some fear or trepidation about taking risks like starting a business or making a sales call or leading a group or doing something that could invite criticism. And I think really the only way to avoid that is to do nothing at all. I think we'd all agree. Um, and as a funny example of that, y'all, even with this podcast, you'd think, who in the heck could troll a podcast like ours? But y'all, didn't we get some rude email from someone who said they wouldn't want to listen to a podcast run by three losers? Like, what? <laughs> losers? Yes, it was an email that I received back from somebody that got our newsletter. And he said, I don't want to listen to three losers. I'm thinking, you can hit the unsubscribe button, dude. But okay, I'll do it for you. I'm like, like, why though? You got to be like that, bro. Like, you could have just said no, thank you. (laughs) Here's how I I have two different ways of looking at it. And, And you might say that in some way, they're the same thing. The first thing is... Hurt people, hurt people. I, I think that person who sent us that email and and y'all, our emails have, and y'all's feedback to us has been so overwhelmingly positive that that one doesn't really, I mean, it's just almost funny. You can hear us laughing about it. But yeah, people, people when they make comments on the internet or when they send you hateful things, that's really, I believe it's more of a reflection of of what's going on inside them than what they really think of you. The other thing is, And my mom, y'all, she is a very private person. And when I first started working in a more public arena, she would see the comments I would get on articles I would post and and see how I was interacting on social media. And she would just call me sometimes just aghast at how I could possibly, you know, not walk away unscathed. And I was like, mom, the only power these people have over me is the power that I allow them to have. 
if I don't give them, they, they can't make decisions for my life. They don't pay my bills. They, you know, they don't ride in the car beside me to work. So I, they only have the power over me that I give them. So I just choose not to give them any power. I love that. And, and I'm going to share three thoughts that that I've, I've thought about this a lot. And so I'm, I'm going to share three, three thoughts. And then, um, then Mary Scott, I'll kick it over to you too. So th- the first thing that I love to do to deal with this is, y'all, I love to do meditative prayer, the, you know, the kind where you sit in total silence, and you don't say anything to God, you just invite him to speak to you, or you visualize sitting with him. And sometimes when I'm about to put myself out there in a way that feels scary, I sit in my church chapel or in complete silence at home. And I literally picture myself shooting like a rocket sky high into space. And as I'm shooting into space, I'm watching my neighborhood, my city, my state, my country, my planet shrink further and further into oblivion. And if you really do that and allow your imagination to run wild with it, I promise you'll become acutely aware how small, small, small you are and how irrelevant your fear is or how silly and meaningless and inconsequential to eternity was that nasty email you got or that mean social media comment or whatever it is. I really do do this. So I, I recommend trying it. I love it. The second way that I deal with this is to periodically reflect on a handful of quotes or ideas that have almost come to be mottos for me. I, and I bring these to my mind if someone's criticism is bugging me. So the first comes from Stephen King's excellent, excellent memoir on writing. It is the only Stephen King book I've ever read. And same. Oh, it's so oh, good. Don't you love it? It's such, like you should reread it. He it just he's a rich writer, but um, it's great for anyone trying to create. And he said, quote, if you expect to succeed as a writer, rudeness should be the second to least of your concerns. The least of all should be polite society and what it expects. If you intend to write as truthfully as you can, your days as a member of polite society are numbered anyway. And I love this because as a as a person, I really hope I'm polite and certainly want to be. But as as a consumer of books and things, I don't want to read or watch safe, polite, vanilla, bland, inauthentic fiction or memoirs that are listen to music or art. And gosh, I'm just so grateful for creators who lay it out there, who bear their souls. So, and I don't want to be rude for rude's sake. Gosh, we have plenty of that. And I find that equally as distasteful as the bland. But I want to create things that are wholehearted and don't hold back and don't read as though they're full of fear. And so I'm not claiming to be an artist. I mean, I write op-eds now and then. But I want, to be a, I want to aspire to be like the artists that I admire. Which brings me to the next quote I hold dear written by a poet I absolutely adore. And she passed away this year at the age of 83. Her name is Mary Oliver. I'm sure you've heard of her. But listen deeply to these lines from her poem, The Summer Day. She writes, Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I mean, my goodness, doesn't that put it into perspective? <laughs> I, mean, I think for me, what, what I want to do with my one wild and precious life is to be a hero to my family, to deeply love them and be there for them, to contribute something of value in my sphere of influence and to really, you know, enjoy God and the, the life he gave me. I, I don't want to spend my life obsessing about my image or worrying what strangers think, trying to become loved by people I don't know. David Sedaris, another famous, uh, fantastic writer whose memoirs I have enjoyed, said, quote, you know, what you think of me is none of my business. And I had never thought of it that way, but that has stuck with me because if I'm not careful, I care a lot what people think of me too much, so much that I've had to sometimes give myself a really loving but firm talking to that goes something like, Rachel, 
no one is thinking about you. No one cares who you are, what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. They are thinking about you not at all. They are thinking about themselves, their own problems, their own lives. So why would the question, what do people think, factor into my life? So, you know, you got to do what's right for you, regardless of what people think. And, and real quick, the last idea I reflect on comes from a book written about 500 years ago. It's one of my favorites called Introduction to the Devout Life by Francis de Sales. And he says to remember that reputation is different from character. Reputation can be good this year, suffer next year. It's external to you because it's based on what others think of you. You know, someone slanders you or spreads a little rumor and suddenly you have a bad reputation. But character is internal to you. You control it completely and it's steady. It stays firm no matter your reputation. And I think the analogy he used is it would be like if a man had a beard and someone came and cut it off. That's like someone disparaging your good name, your reputation. But if you have good character, give it time, the beard will grow back. In time, people will see who you really are and your reputation will be restored. Here's a funny example of this that happened to me this past week. I got a sales pitch from some website out there who specializes in kind of like collecting all your personal information and putting it out there. I don't know for what reason, but they, so their sales pitch was, you have a reputation score of like 2.8 out of five, you know, so do you want to take back your life and take back your reputation and take control? And I was like, what, what is that based on? And they were like, they're like, well, you have, you know, it says that you have criminal records. And I'm like, I've never been arrested. Are, are you talking about like a traffic ticket? And, you know, anyway, so it was this whole sales pitch, like trying to get somebody to freak out so much about their reputation, their their internet reputation, that they would, you know, pay some kind of fee to manage this website. And I basically told them to get lost and, you know, told them what I thought about their website. Um, so I try to focus on my character and what I think of me and what God thinks of me. And that really helps, as well as not reading comments. <laughs> So let me let me kick it out the comment section. Read the comments. Never, never, never. People put crap on social media that they would never say to your face. Oh. They would never say to I mean, I look at some of these things and I think, you come over here and say that to me in person. <laughs> you come over here and try that in person. You coward. I had a I had a friend um, or I have a friend who did a lot of writing on a, a major website and what he would do it would be especially when people would reach out to him on Twitter would say you know you you bring up a good point let's grab coffee next time I'm in your city and <laughs> sit down and talk about this and it just blew them away and they're like oh yeah I am talking to a real person like this person yeah. like when when you're when you're making those comments when if, if you're somebody who just for some reason feels the need to say something hateful on the internet you're talking to a real person and i i think if if you're reminded of that it is a lot more difficult because well, all of a sudden you're not just typing into the ether it makes criticism really easy to do and i think i feel like critics don't count that's what i think that's my philosophy i go by the theodore roosevelt 26 president of the united states 
philosophy. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of the deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again, because there is not effort without error or shortcomings, but who does actually strive to do the deed, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails or she fails, at least he or she fails while daring greatly, so that their place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Critics don't count. Not, And I'm not talking about constructive criticism. Constructive criticism is helpful. That, And you have to differentiate that. You know, if, if you have somebody in your life who's teaching you, who's coaching you, who's an influence in your life, constructive criticism is important. And you got to be able to take constructive criticism to get better. And it's hard sometimes because people who care about you and whose job it is to help you be better, that constructive criticism can sting because it's honest and it's real and it's something you're asking for. On the other hand, these critics who don't count are the ones who wouldn't themselves get in the arena, who wouldn't themselves do anything that's hard or dangerous or risky, but who find it perfectly easy to comment on your activity that is all of those things. So I just take the position that they don't count. I don't count them. I don't listen to them. I don't pay attention to them. You know, well, uh, let me say it this way. I try to do that and I don't always succeed immediately. But but take a deep breath, especially if it's late at night and you're tired and you're getting some criticism and try not to internalize it. Try to push it back because remember, they don't count. And social media, again, makes it makes it super easy to do. Do you want to hear the funniest little bit of um, of criticism I ever received? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I did what I said I shouldn't do. And I was reading the comments (laughs) and this critic said, well, I think Mary Scott Hunter is the Antichrist, but in this case, she's right. <laughs> oh, I laughed out loud at that one. Whoever you are out there, if you call me the Antichrist, I wish you would email me because I would love to talk to you about that. Anyway, so that was the that was the one I got. But but they don't count, y'all. They just don't count. And you gotta remember that when you're when you're dealing with um, with non constructive criticism. Well, I, I love I love that idea of, of embracing the, the helpful stuff. I mean, you know, I, I feel the same way that if you're going to send me an email to let me know that, you know, I, I, I didn't see something from all the perspectives or I didn't get something quite right or there's something I missed or maybe I got a fact wrong. I mean, gosh, talk about something bothering you. That eats me up inside if that ever happens. Um, I don't consider that stuff dealing with critics and trolls. I really do want to know that stuff, too. Absolutely. Well, and I have to say for the record that I love Stephen King too, but I've read all the fiction. So Tommy Knockers, Shining, Misery, good stuff. Oh, no, can't handle it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us for this very brief Ask Us Anything. Please send us any question that that might be on your heart. We would love to try to answer it and join the conversation that we are starting at our, our new Facebook group, Bell Curve Insiders. And that's a place where we can be a little bit more open and, you know, just kind of chat behind the scenes. So we hope you have an amazing week. Thank you as always, and we'll see you later. 